psychiatrist, crime novelist. It seems to be a natural combination. A writer who understands the working of the human mind and its capacity for good and evil. Meet the author with me as we talk to another in the long line of distinguished physician authors. You're listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Charles Atkins from Woodbury, Connecticut. He's a practicing psychiatrist and a member of the clinical faculty of Yale University's Department of Psychiatry. Welcome, Charlie. Great. Glad to be here. Let's talk about you. What inspired you to begin writing? You know, I always wrote, and sort of writing and becoming a psychiatrist are really tied up with each other that as physicians, we all go through this thing where we're trying to decide what specialty we're going to go in. And I was always telling myself, I'm never going to become a psychiatrist, which, of course, meant I would be a psychiatrist. And it had a lot to do with when I sat down to look at what interested me as a physician and really as a person, I was far more interested in people's stories than reading about receptor sites and that kind of stuff. So it steered me to psychiatry. And then the more you sit with people and hear their stories, everything, even the horrible things in life, start to make a lot of sense. And as a writer, which is something I've always done, my work as a psychiatrist really began to inform the kind of writing I do. I started out not thinking I was going to be writing crime fiction. I was actually doing a lot of short stories looking at the reality of people with mental illnesses, their families, and doing a lot of playing around with point of view. What's it like to have manic depression? What's it like to be the parent of someone with manic depression, the physician? And in the midst of writing one of these short stories, I ended up killing the psychiatrist, which was really interesting to me. And it turned into the beginning of my first crime novel, The Portrait, which there was a whole very long process in terms of going from actually having completed a novel, which was always a goal of mine, to actually getting that novel out to the marketplace. And we're going to talk about that later on. So you wrote your first book. How did you feel when it was done? Tremendous, because it really was for you know my entire life. I've wondered about you know what's it like to do a book beginning, middle, and end. And I took my one and only writing seminar with a Canadian woman who basically said a lot of things about the creative process that really clicked with me. And I've sort of altered my beliefs as a writer, she got me going where she really was saying, when you're writing, don't edit. Just quiet that part of your mind that, you know, naturally perks up and says, oh, this is no good, no one's going to like this, and just write, because you can always go back and edit. And so using that as almost a mantra, I just really sank into the writing. The book, The Portrait, had a protagonist with manic depression. I grew up in a family with manic depression, so it was very interesting to me to try and take a character writing in the first person and say, okay, what would it be like to have manic depression and how do you go about having a life which isn't defined by your illness but where your illness is really just you know, a part of things and do it in a mainstream novel so somebody reading the book can come away from the book having enjoyed it the way you, you know, enjoy crime fiction but also maybe understanding something about the experience of having a serious mental illness. Now, as a psychiatrist, do you think you have more insight, not in just to the human mind, but more insight into yourself after your training? Scarily, yes. And writing is a lot about, you know, people say, did you put me in your novel? And the person I put in my novel is myself. So invariably, when you're writing characters, even the villains, 
for it to read true, you have to find that in yourself. And in my earlier books, I had the most difficulty finding the villains. And as I've been going and writing more and more and more, it's allowing myself to really be evil. <laughs> and just to bring that out and to have villains that are a lot more real and fully formed and where the motivations, while you may not agree with what these people are doing, you certainly understand it. And as a little aside, as physicians, we tend to have certain personality traits, which can be really wonderful in terms of being somewhat obsessive, wanting to get things right. And there's also a significant amount of narcissism that we believe, you know, we're able to achieve things. And narcissism is not a bad thing. It's what allows people to accomplish quite a bit. But taken to an extreme, narcissists can become a little bit antisocial or very antisocial, where everything begins and ends with, I want, give me. What's wrong with that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's my idealized world, you know? All right. So if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Charles Atkins, who's a psychiatrist and not just a writer. He's an author. We're talking about the art of writing, and then we're going to talk about the business of publishing. And I've known Charlie Atkins for a long time since writing alongside him at American Medical News, and he has a lot to say about it. So let's talk about your new book. Yeah, I have a new thriller coming out. It's called The Prodigy. And writing novels is a lot like scrapbooking. As a child, I was a very good cello player and was in all these competitions and this. So when it came time to create a villain, and you want your villains to have things that are special about them, people they love, and this whole thing, I ended up creating a prodigy who went through the whole, you know, child prodigy circuit, but ended up coming out really quite malformed, not by that experience, but he and his twin sister are sort of the dregs of a robber baron family where they're in this incredible Gramercy Park mansion, and he develops probably early in his childhood through a lot of very brutal experiences. He becomes what's called erotomanic, and these are people who develop delusional attachments, believing that other people are in love with them who aren't. We often see this in the media where someone becomes fixated on a movie star and really thinks that they're married to this person or love them when, in fact, nothing could be farther from the truth. You mean, wait, you mean Gwyneth Paltrow does not love me? Well, except for that. Oh, except okay, that, thank which you. Is, of course, thank you. Of course, very true. <laughs> I was getting worried. Okay, so sorry about um, that. So he's my villain, my crazy cello player villain who spends 18 years of his life in a forensic hospital after he did something very, very naughty to a violinist who he believed loved him. And at the opening of this book, he's just been able to secure his release through one of these boards that exist in most states. And this is where I use my experience as a psychiatrist, as someone who's done a certain amount of forensic work, where while it's fiction, it's really based in the world we live in. And so you do have people who are given not guilty by reason of insanity or mental defect and go into forensic hospitals versus prison. And they're not given sentences like someone who is convicted of first-degree murder is given a sentence. They basically are in this hospital until a board, which is overseen by state statutes, depending on what state you live in, determines that this person can be safely released into the community. And that's what starts the action of this novel, that through great money and maneuvering and a lot of lawyers, 
he and his sister are able to negotiate his release. And in these releases where people are overseen by boards, there are a lot of stipulations. If you break any of these rules, they send you back to the hospital. And one of the stipulations is he needs to meet with a psychiatrist weekly. And he, of course, has already selected who he wants to meet with, uh, which is a very beautiful, very talented psychiatrist who, in the beginning of the book, doesn't realize that she shares a past with my villain and his sister. So what I'm hearing from you, actually, because when I first started thinking about this show and talking to you, I thought, like, aha, you're really putting your patience into these stories. But you're not. You're putting you into the characters and then calling upon your professional expertise to know the environment in which they really exist. Oh, very much so. And when you show a particular illness, I often thought about my, my earlier novels, and still do to an extent, as I'm writing a different kind of textbook. So someone reading about erotomania isn't really going to get it. Somebody reading this book is really going to understand what we're talking about, how it develops, as well as, you know, one of the themes that I've used in a number of books is how does someone go from being a victim to becoming a perpetrator in that whole horrible cycle of violence, which is such a part of our world. Do your patients know that you write? Some of them do. And do they ever ask, hey, Dr. Atkins, don't put me in your book, or did you put me in your book? They say, what's that tape recorder on your desk doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing, just ignore that. Um, you know, I've had people wonder about that, but it's really once you read the books. It's more my friends get very, very disturbed because where I use so much of my own life, people who are in my life will wonder, you know, how they're showing up. And I really try very hard not to do that unless, you know, I have a 80-something-year-old friend I've written a column with for a number of years and she would be heartbroken if I didn't put her into a book. So in my last book prior to this, The Cadaver's Ball, I wrote a character of a German journalist, which is very clearly based on her. Right. I have put my friends into my novel, in the good characters, and I've told them. And I put some of my relatives in as the bad characters. And then you can never, ever admit to that. Oh, no, of course not. You say, no, no, that's not you at all. That's somebody else. <laughs> well, and then I have family members who will read the book and are convinced that I've used a, another family member, when in fact I hadn't been thinking about that person at all. But now that you mention it, you're right. You also write more than novels. You just finished a bipolar book. Tell us about that. Well, this was interesting, and this is definitely, when we get to the part about how do you get into the business of writing and publishing, this is not a book I intended to write, but I have a very good agent who a publisher approached him saying, do you have someone who can write a book on bipolar disorder. He sent it to me, and having grown up in a family with bipolar, where when my family member got very sick, became psychotic and manic, followed by a crushing depression where they really couldn't even get out of bed for about a year, it was like, okay, this is the book I want to write because when my family and myself were going through this, I would have been a teenager, we read all the wrong books. We got horrible advice. We didn't know what was going on. We were very, very frightened. And a book like this would have been extremely useful. So keeping that kind of plastered into my forehead or you know, somewhere in the middle of my mind, I wanted to write a book that had very good, very clear information without dummying it up, but also making it extremely accessible so that all the questions we had and a bunch more someone going to this book and just go to the questions that they're concerned about, get some answers, get some direction, and move on from there. It's a very hopeful book, but it's also very real. 
there's a movement in the mental health world that tends to put an extremely positive spin, which at times does a disservice to the reality and the pain that people with serious mental illnesses experience, particularly when they're having a serious mood episode. And so I want to make sure that the book is one with a lot of hope. You are going to get through this. You are going to have a life. You can have a really good life. And these are some of the things that you can do to get through it. Now, Charlie, thanks for being my guest today and sharing your creativity with our listeners, many of whom do write or would like to write. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the physicians who care for your patients. We value your questions and welcome suggestions for future shows. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and you can send your book reports on Dr. Atkins' books to me there, and I'll read them. And we truly thank you for listening.